Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's podcast, we're talking about the potential Qualcomm Switch competitor. We talk about rumors around Nintendo building a Switch Pro that could release this year. And the rumors that Microsoft might be thinking of buying Discord. Okay, on to topic number one. A source familiar with the company's strategy, and that company being Qualcomm, says that the company is planning to work on an Android-powered game console that will attempt to showcase the company's Snapdragon chipset. The form factor that they're working on for this device is going to be very similar to a Switch, if not directly copying a Switch. It's going to be pretty much like a, an oversized smartphone with sort of detachable Joy-Con style controllers on the side. It's supposed to have somewhere around a 6.55 to 7 inch touchscreen and it's also supposed to have display out capabilities for let's say streaming from your console to your TV. Have you heard anything around this Switch clone let's say and uh, what are your thoughts on it? So I haven't heard a ton about it um, and I'm glad you brought it to my attention because I am 100% all on board for a device like this. Um, and the reason why is like recently there have been a bunch of, a bunch of companies and, and, you know, for both Windows and Android have, who have been trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Switch. Um, a few companies have tried to put out Switch-like devices that run Windows and, and uh, Windows 10 and essentially could play PC games. Uh, obviously at lower settings because the hardware isn't going to be great, but you know, just the idea of being able to walk around with a portable device and play games is so big. And, and the Switch has really, really tackled the best way of doing it, like you mentioned, with detachable controllers and like having, you know, joysticks and, and shoulder buttons and stuff like that just attached to a screen is such a huge thing. And then we've also seen, you know, we've talked about the new gaming phones like the Asus ROG phone and, and recent podcasts and even the controllers that can just attach to your phone to make your phone almost like a switch device. I am very much into the idea of a Qualcomm powered Android powered device that that can do that for two reasons. One, I think for emulation, it would be great. Android has done a really good job of emulating older consoles. Um, and, and even some, some relatively recent ones like with Citra, uh, for the 3ds and, yeah, I, I would definitely love to be able to have an Android device that is powerful enough to emulate all those games, which shouldn't be too hard because most phones can already do that, And but still have like the, the form factor similar to a Switch that would be cool to kind of play them on. I would be down for that. Um, and then also hopefully get the price right because the Switch, and, and we'll talk a little bit more of the, about the Switch a little bit later, but the Switch has not decreased in price at all since it came out. The only kind of price decrease that we've seen is the light version of the console, which doesn't have any video out capabilities and doesn't have detachable controllers. It's just, you know, one device that can only just be portable. But that's the only cheaper version of the Switch that we've seen. And I would imagine this gives the opportunity for a lot of these other companies to step in and say, hey, if you like gaming on the go and, you know, maybe the Switch might be a little bit too expensive or... You know, maybe you just want something that's more versatile that can play games from multiple different types of consoles and emulate. Uh, an Android-powered one would be really cool. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a wait and see. Uh, from what I've seen from a lot of these other companies, especially the ones that are doing it on Windows, or even the, the companies that try to use Raspberry Pis to make like an Android-powered emulation device that looks like the Switch, none of them have really capitalized the or have met the kind of convenience and like the coolness of the Switch for me. Like the Switch is always, like I, I have it right next to me right now. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, this device is just so cool. It makes me want to use it. And a lot of the, the devices that come out that try to emulate it are always a little bit a little bit more janky, a little bit cheaper looking and less less complete. But so hopefully Qualcomm, you know, with their expertise and maybe they get a partner um, that has a lot of, of expertise in this field can kind of do something really cool with that um, and maybe even get something like game pass 
um, and xCloud working on it, which would be awesome. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a wait and see kind of thing for me. I would be excited to get my hands on something like that. But how about you? Like, we've talked so much about mobile phones getting like controller attachments and being able to be used like a Switch device. Do you think that's enough? Do you think that maybe Qualcomm making something that's more dedicated to gaming even makes sense for Android? Or, or maybe they, they should just skip it and just make a phone that has controllers that you can attach to it? Um, I think it does make a lot of sense. And uh, bringing up the the phones that, you know, have controllers attachable to the sides, right? Just, was it last episode, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the ROG Phone 5 Ultimate Edition, which was a super powerful gaming phone, gaming-centered, like, centric phone that had a fan that you could plug in to cool the back. And it had, you know haptic shoulder buttons for triggers on the on the top of the phone and on the side of the phone and all these crazy attachments you could put on it right but it still in essence was a phone that you happen to be able to play good games on or play games well on this makes a whole lot more sense because it isn't going to be a phone i think there's because it's Qualcomm that, you know, is manufacturing the chip for it, it is going to support 5G, but it is going to be a gaming device with possibly some phone-like functions. Now, it's supposed to have, like, access to Google's full suite of Play apps. So, like, let's say Gmail, YouTube, maybe even, like, Google Message, right? Just to make it easier to communicate with people. But, in essence, it's going to be a gaming console first, just with added functionality i guess especially if you compare it to something like a switch mm. and you mentioned the price the target price point that they're aiming for is around 300 usd which is the same as a switch now this hasn't been confirmed by them this is once again from a source familiar with the company strategy so we don't know how true this is but i could see i could see this really hidden home let's say whatever price it comes out at if the, there's a price drop in the switch in the future or whatever happens, if it comes out, okay, this costs the same amount as a switch, but it is an Android powered device with the newest Android chip. Cause even, you know, with the ROG phone five that we saw and we were talking about, that's powered by the Snapdragon triple eight, which is a great chip, right? It has a lot of power behind it. This is supposed to be coming out for the first quarter of 2022. So first quarter next year, which is going to be right around where they launch their new flagship Snapdragon. Mm. So building on the Snapdragon 888. And it's most likely going to be, you know, part of the marketing to say, hey, this chip is so powerful. It is used in this game console, right? But so you, like you have the great power that Snapdragon has behind it. And then you have it solely focused on game. And one kind of thing that we both said is with all the phones that have come out from Samsung, from OnePlus to Asus, this chip is powerful, but it's up to the manufacturer to really use that power. And, you know, scrolling through things is fine. Videos, yeah, it's all fine. And really where we see the biggest discrepancy in stuff is, okay, how is this phone camera? How are these manufacturers using this powerful chip to process photos on this phone? Now, if it's a gaming console and you take the camera aspect completely out of it, it's we know it's a fast chip. We know it runs things smoothly. We know it runs things well. And a lot of the times when reviewers are finding limitations of the chip, it's only with like severe case emulation. Someone's trying to emulate a Wii on the Snapdragon, like on a, a Samsung S21, right? Where not too many people are going to do that. So if you take into account like, hey, this is going to be an even more powerful chip than we have right now. There's going to be even less fringe cases that it won't work. And this whole chip product line is going to be designed around playing games well. And like you said, you know, emulation is such a big part of Android playing games well. And a good thing you brought up, right? Xbox Game Pass is only going to be bigger in the future. Mm. So if they design it with, hey, we don't have to worry about 
any sort of camera, any sort of image processing. Just make this chip run fast, make it run games smoothly, and let's say make it be able to stream games through Xbox Game Pass or any sort of other cloud gaming you know, network. Make it do that really well. I think that opens up a huge space because right now, Nintendo really only plays, like, yes, other third-party creators, but the main draw of the Nintendo Switch is you can play Nintendo games on it, which, you know, I love Nintendo games, but if it's, okay, you can get this $300 system and only play these games that you love, you know, that are great games and great series, or you can pay $300 and play games from anyone in the world you can emulate so many systems all over the world and it's going to do it buttery smooth like i think that's that's going to be an interesting battle if and when it happens yeah no i i completely agree and the funny thing is this could be kind of a smart play on qualcomm's part to kind of get interest in people making games for android that generally they may have not in the past like we've seen a big game like Genshin Impact launch on mobile this year and it's been huge and it's caught a lot of people by storm and people love it but generally mobile gaming is kind of looked down upon by people who really love you know PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo and stuff like that so it would be cool to see like if this is Qualcomm's way of saying hey Apple's making these great chips for their phones they got their Apple Arcade we know they're powerful in graphics we also make powerful graphics uh, in our chips. Like That's a really important part to us. Let's advertise that by saying, hey, all these companies that are so interested in making games for, for iOS and Mac OS through Apple Arcade, hey, you can also make your games for Android. And you know we can run them here too. And then we can have a device. You've seen how popular the Switch is. We can have a dedicated gaming device for people um, who are really interested in that and kind of catch that market. But I guess my question um, for you would be like, do you think they need to do that? Do you think they need to kind of get an exclusive game the way Switch did with with Breath of the Wild to kind of convince people, hey, this is something that you'll actually want to buy? Or do you think that they can uh, rest with things like uh, emulation and what the Android game market is already like, where they say, hey, you can play you know, uh, emulation of, well, they probably can't say this for legal reasons, but uh, essentially imply... <laughs> he can steal all these games <laughs> for free. Like, hey, if you own, you know, your, your Game Boy Advance version of Pokemon Ruby, you can play your backup on this device, or you can play, you know, uh, Pokemon Sun um, on this device and stuff like that. Do you think they can they can just survive with those types of things? Because I would definitely buy it for that. Or do you think to catch an overall audience they need to make or at least advertise like a big exclusive game for the Qualcomm console. I don't think they necessarily need to make a big exclusive game like that. I guess this is going to be kind of something where price is going to be a big deal, like you said, right? Maybe they actually are going to undercut the Switch. Maybe instead of $300, it'll be 250 or $200, right? Yeah. Especially because... A lot of a lot of times what drives up the price with cell phones is cameras. Right? That's usually like if you look at OnePlus, right? They just paid $150 million over three years to brand with to pair with the Hasselblad brand, specifically to make their cameras better. Right? You take that out of the equation and you are the one who's manufacturing the chip and manufacturing the whole device. And you don't have to worry about cameras, which a lot of times is the most expensive part of a phone, right? This is this is going to be huge in order in terms of like letting them play around with the price. Yeah, I mean, just recent, not just recently, in November of 2020, I think it was November, right? Apple released the M1 Max, and there was this huge discrepancy in price between an Intel-powered Mac and an M1 Mac, and that was in large part because they didn't have to worry about buying this processor from someone else. So because they made the processor, they made the entire body, the motherboard, everything of the of the MacBook, they could give such a competitive price compared to an Intel-powered Mac. So now Qualcomm is doing the same thing. 
hey, we don't have to buy the chip from anyone else. We're making the chip. We don't have to buy, you know, these three ultra-wide telephoto optical space zoom lenses. We don't need any of that. It's a gaming console. Yeah. I think that's going to give them, like, a lot of leeway in terms of where they price this thing. And I think just because of how how large the the game magazine for Android games is, without even, you know, having to touch on the emulation side, just Android games in general, I think that they don't need an exclusive. It would definitely help. But then when you think about it, right, any game that comes to Android is an exclusive. Yeah. Right? Not, you know, set in the the Fortnite aside, set in the, I guess, Genshin Impact aside. But any game that comes to Android most likely won't be coming to the Nintendo Switch if we're looking at who they're going to probably be directly competing with. So I personally, I don't think they need it as long as the price is right. If it's going to be like the same price as the Switch or even more than the price of the Switch, then you have to come with something that is like making people buy your your console just for this one game if you're going to outprice the Switch. But I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, that's that's a... That's a good point. And I would imagine that if they are going to do this, and this is probably something that, that we'll talk about soon or, or not next, one thing they can really capitalize is, is having a good screen, which I think is one thing that's been really lacking on the Switch and uh, a lot of those other devices that try to emulate it. But something that Android has been really good at, and mobile phones in general, is putting good screens on smaller devices. And hopefully that's something that... that uh, Qualcomm can kind of capitalize to be a big differentiating factor. If it's not going to be games, it's like, hey, the hardware on this is better than it would be on your Switch. Yeah. Speaking of the Switch, right, our next topic is there have been a lot of rumors around Nintendo possibly releasing a Switch Pro this year. So the first Switch came out in 2018. The Switch Lite came out two years later in 2019. We're two years from that, so it seems like if we're following this two-year schedule, this would be a good time for the Switch Pro to come out. There have been various news sources, various outlets like the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and you know other international publications saying that this is coming out in 2021. Some people are saying fall of 2021. Other people are saying you know the the holiday season, the year-end season. But there's a lot of signs pointing towards a Switch Pro coming out this year. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of uh, these rumors. What what have you heard and what do you think of this? Yeah, so I have heard some of the rumors and a lot of them are around the idea that it's going to get a new kind of chip from NVIDIA, which is interesting and, and kind of reassuring to hear because I think a while a, a while back when rumors first started maybe about a year ago um there was rumors that AMD might be making a chip for the the Switch Pro um which would be a huge kind of departure from the idea of the Switch right now is running an Nvidia Tegra processor and you know that's an older an older mobile chip um that you know hasn't really been been upgraded in a while so the idea that that maybe okay Nintendo was thinking of going back to AMD uh to get a new chip for a new version of the Switch was kind of strange because Nvidia and Nintendo work so closely together with the original Switch to get it to a point where developers were happy with it. There's been a lot of stories of when the Switch first came out of you know they were going to have you know less RAM but then they spoke with developers and developers were like no we need at least at least four gigabytes of RAM so that we can make games for this, at least relatively, uh, you know, relevant games for this device. And then also the idea of, of NVIDIA working with, uh, and Nintendo working with Epic Games to make sure that Unreal Engine would be supported on the device as well. So there was a lot of integration going on with these two companies to make the, the Switch actually work as well as it does. So the idea that, okay, no, it is going to be NVIDIA, at least according to these rumors, it's going to be a newer version of this Tegra uh, chip. And this chip will use more recent NVIDIA technologies that's in the, uh, 
the 3060, 3070, 3080, 3090 series of cards, or even maybe even the 20 series of cards, where it's going to use technologies like DLSS, which is uh, an AI technology called deep learning super sampling, which essentially what that does is it takes a resolution, like let's say, for example, you're playing a game in 720p, like you would on the Switch, and through AI, uh, these, these graphics cards have these things called tensor cores, which are AI powered cores or they're, they're used to do computational um, kind of extrapolating of what the device or what the picture would look like at a higher resolution so it's essentially using AI to upscale that 720p image to potentially even up to 4k um, so that when it's docked it looks better on a screen now the reason why I bring that up um, is because when the original RTX 2060 graphics cards from NVIDIA came out and 2070, 2080 and 2080 TIs one of the things that they really talked about a lot were these tensor cores these AI cores on the cards and they are very expensive compared to the, the regular kind of rasterization kind of cores that uh, were being used and a lot of what was happening with those cores is it was being used for ray tracing so essentially AI calculating how light would bounce around in a video game, essentially, um, as well as as DLSS uh, for upscaling images. So, you know, the idea and the rumor is that potentially, despite the fact that you wouldn't get a ton of 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 boost to performance to the actual Switch, a lot of the the focus would go into making it look better when you dock it. But because that that equipment to make it look good when you dock it is so expensive, it could potentially make even the Switch more expensive than the current version, which to me is kind of scary. Like the idea of a Switch, you know, it's it's kind of expensive, you know, in different markets. It, it can go up if you're not spending in, in American dollars. But, uh, you know, being 300 400 maybe even $450 closer to the price of a PS5 or an Xbox Series X or even more expensive than an Xbox Series S to me is something that could be concerning especially if the only significant upgrade is going to be it looks better when the console is docked because I don't know about you but I never dock my Switch I only use it in kind of um, handheld mode and the only time I do dock it is if my battery's dead and I want to continue playing. So it's like one of those things where, for me, I was really excited about the idea of a Switch Pro. Um, and like you said, it came out in 2016. It's It's been a while. It, it's about... 17. 2017, sorry. I believe it was March. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's been a while. It's time for an upgrade. But this isn't the upgrade particularly I was looking for, if these rumors are true. You know, they're just rumors. Um, you know, there's other stuff like it could potentially have a bigger screen in the same size body, but smaller bezels and potentially even be OLED, which would be good for battery life. Um, but yeah, other than that, these rumors so far don't get me super excited about a Switch Pro, uh, which is something that I was previously really looking forward to. That being said, I do think it's cool technology. And I think for a lot of people, which I think like yourself, I'll, I'll, I'll see what you have to say about it. But for someone who does Doctor Switch, I would imagine this would be something that's really, really important. Because if you're playing a game like Breath of the Wild 2, and it can look, you know, way better at 2K or even 4K resolution when it's on your screen, I think for a lot of people it would be a huge, a huge upgrade. Um, just not for me. But but how about you? How how would you feel about if these rumors are true, or have you heard any other rumors that that might be happening with the Switch? So rumors I'd heard. Bloomberg was saying that prices are probably going to be around three forty nine to three ninety nine, so either fifty dollars more, a hundred dollars more than the current Switch mm. in terms of USD. Yeah, I'd heard the the seven inch screen, a bit of an upgrade, seven twenty p OLED, like you mentioned, and the DLSS with the the Tegra processor. There's supposed to be, I guess, more memory, also more RAM, which could help with performance, but. I guess the main thing, right, is, okay, it's going to look better when it's docked. And from my personal experience with the Switch, 
I didn't really get the Switch because of how amazing the games are going to look. Mm-hmm. When playing Nintendo games, I kind of expect them to have a certain like cartoonish almost look to them. So I'm not buying it for the performance or for the graphics like I like I buy a PS a PS5, right? When I get a PlayStation 5, I know, hey, this is like a powerful system. Everything is going to look good. There's going to be ray tracing. Like all these surfaces are going to be extremely reflective and lifelike. When I'm excited for the Breath of the Wild 2, I'm not excited for those same things. I'm excited for the gameplay and for the story. Right now, it's rumored, okay, end of 2021. It also seems like they're working on a Breath of the Wild sequel. It also seems like they're working on Bayonetta 3. You know, there's two new Pokemon remakes that have been announced that are supposed to be coming out around the same time, too. But, you know, as amazing, as beautiful of a game as Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be, it's more of a cel-shaded look. And when you get to that cel-shaded aspect, right, things like ray tracing and, you know, realistic lifelike images aren't that important. It's more of an, an art style than anything. So this like potential of having it docked and you know having a docked resolution of 4K isn't that big of a selling point to me. And if that's really all that we're getting from the Switch Pro, I don't really see an incentive to, to buy it, right? Unless it's okay, you can only play Breath of the Wild 2 on a Switch Pro. That's kind of what we were talking about with Qualcomm and their system, right? If they're trying to up the price above a switch you have to have like a dedicated game that this is why you are paying more so you can play this game if the switch pro comes out and it's you can play the exact same games on either of our consoles and if you get the switch pro you can play it in 4k but if you get the regular switch you can play it in 1080p yeah okay i'm fine playing breath of the wild in 1080p i don't need to spend that extra you know possibly 400 dollars just to get a higher resolution. Like I'm for Breath of the Wild, I'm fine. Now if it was Spider-Man, then yeah, I'd want that those better graphics, right? If it was let's say Cyberpunk, then yeah, I would want to pay more for better graphics for this game because that's such a big part of it. But if it's just you can play your Legend of Zelda, you can play your Mario Kart, you can play your, you know, Super Mario 3D All-Stars on either system, then that isn't really a selling point for me. But that kind of leads into my next question. Like we said, these are just rumors. So we're not entirely sure, or people aren't entirely sure, if this is going to be a Switch Pro or a Switch 2. Because for all we know and all these sources know, this could be a sequel to the Switch, meaning a completely new Switch system, which means completely new games so if this is a switch to if this is a brand new system then you won't be able to play any of their new games on the switch or you know if it's close to generation crossover they'll probably design games for both the switch 2 and the current switch but if this is a brand new system that's a lot more of a compelling reason to buy the switch 2 let's say and if it is a new system, then they need to have a lot more selling features in. Okay, yeah, it's it's everything's exactly the same, but you can play games in 4K now. There would have to be a lot more to it than that. But I guess my question to you, if this is a Switch 2, if this is, you know, a sequel, the next generation for Nintendo, is that more enticing to you than if it was just, you know, an up-res Switch? Uh, for me... No, to me that's going. I'd probably even be more frustrated if it was a Switch Two than <laughs> if it was just an upgraded Switch, um, with not really that good upgrades. And there's there's a couple reasons for that. One, I think Nintendo has set the expectation for the Switch that they're thinking of it more in the terms of how they thought of their handheld devices. And if you look at their past handheld devices from Game Boy Advance to DS to 3DS. They have had very, very, very long life cycles, much longer than a traditional home console. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because 
Nintendo has announced so many games that have not even remotely seen the light of day for the Switch. Games like Metroid Prime, which Metroid Prime 4, <laughs> which was announced when the Switch was announced, and no one has seen anything from that because, you know, it's been moved from studio to studio. I don't even know if they're making it right now. I think it's still just a logo. Um, but and, and Breath of the Wild 2, which has also been announced for the Switch, um, and we haven't really seen anything on it since uh, it's been announced. And that was rumored to be a 2021 game. Uh, so, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think there's still so much life left in the Switch. It is the best-selling console every month. Um, and there's so many new people who have just got their hands on a Switch or a Switch Lite that the idea of abandoning that for a next-generation Switch I don't think can happen for at the very least another two years. I think they need to stick this out and 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 make it and honestly I, I could see this the switch existing for much longer than that without a without a a real sequel. The one thing I could see and I think would be better for Nintendo to wait on if if they really want to do a Switch Pro is do what they did with the new 3DS and new 2DS and the DSi which is you make a device that is more powerful than than the previous version, so you know games will run better and and maybe even look better on the newer version, like it did with the new 3DS. But then also, if you have a game that can't work on the older version, like the original Switch, but can work on the new Switch or whatever they decide to call it, I think that's okay. They've proven that they they can balance that that kind of dynamic well with the 3DS and the new 3DS, where most games were playable on both. And there was a select few that weren't, and it wasn't that big of a deal when it wasn't, because those devices have been around for so long that they were accessible. There is one thing, though, that I'll throw this back to you to see how, how you feel about this, that I would think is very interesting. So, you know, the idea of these Switch Pro specs is that it's going to look better on when docked, or when it's plugged into a TV. We have a Switch that is able to be used handheld and able to be used while docked. We have a switch that's able to only be used when handheld. Maybe it makes sense to, instead of making a device that's going to be more expensive than the current switch, maybe one that's a little bit cheaper or even the same price, that is only just plugged into a TV and can output at a higher resolution than the, than the current switch. So you don't need to worry about Joy-Cons, you don't need to worry about, well, obviously you'd have to put a controller in the box, maybe a, a Pro Controller, but you don't have to worry about the screen. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff. So you can have the Switch that might be a little bit less powered but can be used on the go and at home. You have a Switch that's mainly to be used on the go that can't be used when plugged into a TV. And you have a Switch that's just used when plugged into the TV and it's the most powerful one because it's essentially just a box that doesn't need to be portable. Um, and, you know, maybe around the size of an Xbox Series S or maybe even smaller than that, maybe just the size of the Switch dock. Um, and, you know, they can cover the whole gamut. Now, it kind of makes the name Switch irrelevant because you have two Switches that don't Switch. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it could be something that makes more sense, at least to me, than making something that's a slight step up when docked. But how do you feel about that? Do you think they could be potentially be a switch that only is just at home when plugged into a TV. That would definitely interest me. And that would also go along with the whole pro name, right? You have the pro controller. It comes with a pro controller. And even if it's it's stylized like the original pro controller with the you know the dark gray and some of the see-through gray plastic. I could I would really like that aesthetic. The only reason I don't see them doing that is because there's all these rumors of this 720p OLED panel that they're working in conjunction with Samsung with and all of this. But I, that idea of, you know, like you said, an only portable switch, a switch that's portable and can be played at home and then an only home switch and they cover all like the whole gamut. That makes a lot of sense to me, but I just don't see them doing that. And even yeah like a switch that was only at home you can make it that much more powerful because you could have a bigger form factor you don't have to worry about you know the the thermal dynamics of it you don't have to worry about you know okay this has to be powerful yet portable 
that would make a lot of sense, but I don't see them doing that. But you could definitely pitch that to them for their next systems. Yeah. It, honestly, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, I hope that Nintendo is thinking when they do decide to make a next console, who knows if it will be a Switch 2, but when they do decide, if they, I hope they stick with the idea that they want something to be portable. So maybe you're right. It, it, it makes, unfortunately, Nintendo doesn't do a lot of things that make sense, quote unquote, but <laughs> let's say, for example, it does make a lot of sense. Maybe their idea of tackling that on the Switch 2 is maybe, okay, Nintendo gets back into making a dedicated home console, but then also a portable version of that that you can take with you on the go that plays the exact same game. So instead of having what they did this time where they made a Switch that was able to be used at home and on the go, they just make two dedicated consoles, one that's at home, one that's on the go, that you know hopefully two years from now could be the next, the next Switch, quote-unquote, switch two but it's just two completely different devices kind of like how the wii u originally was designed to be just not executed well like the wii u was a home console that had a gamepad that you know you could play a game directly on the gamepad but it always had to be close to the console which was the problem if you could do a situation where there's a console but a gamepad that can be used completely separate from it i think would be really cool uh i'm gonna have to disagree with you on the two separate consoles because mm. i think when the switch first came out and when we first got our switches i think we both were kind of at least i know i definitely was like i was amazed by there was this console that was both portable and dockable at home and i liked the fact that i could play this at home and then let's say i had to go somewhere or i was on a trip somewhere i could take the same console with me and play it I like the aspect of an a powerful at home only console, and I like the idea of a portable console. But even more than that, I like the idea of them both being the same console. And if you if you were to limit it to okay, this there's only an at home console and there's only a portable console, and you can't like mash the two together, then that's like taking a step backwards for me. Yeah, which. I think Nintendo was so revolutionary in creating the whole Switch system, right? Which is why we've seen so many copycat systems, which is why Qualcomm is trying to copy them. So true. Right? So I think because they executed it so well, for them to take a step back from that, it's almost like they're vacating the belt for someone else to take it, right? I'm all for them making a system that you can only play at home but like still give me the system that i can that i can choose to play at home or on the road don't separate the two of them that's because my favorite aspect of the switch right like like i said it's not you know how good the graphics are and it's not the ray tracing it's not oh this plays in you know 4k 120 hertz games like no it's it's the gameplay and the fact that it's both a home console and an away console. So if, if yeah, if you take away the home console and away console, then it's like that's why. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's actually a really good point. Because um, I was the same way as you. Like when they announced the Switch, the idea of being able to switch between multiple kind of form factors, both at home and on the go, seemed really really cool. And yeah, it, it turned out that I don't really use it docked, but. You're 100% right. That is the selling point of the console. So how about this then? What if instead, and this is the last thing I'll probably talk about this because these are all just ideas and rumors. None of this is really substantiated (laughs) at this point. But what if instead of making a Switch 2, they just made a dock that when you docked a Switch into it, it it gave more power, essentially. Because the one thing that I've thought the Switch really didn't capitalize on, and I think it's the current design of the Switch right now, is that when you dock the Switch, it doesn't really get more powerful. It gets slightly better clocked, but in most games, games actually perform worse docked than they do when they're in handheld because it's running at a higher resolution. Could it be a situation where they might eventually, maybe with the Switch Pro, there might be a Switch Pro dock that has more power in the dock so that you know when it's docked, it's actually able to do this without having to make 
the actual Switch unit very expensive? Because I, I think you're 100% right. I think the big benefit of the Switch is A, that it's switchable, and B, that it was a good price when it came out. I think the idea of these rumors of a Switch coming out and being more expensive, I think are gonna is gonna could potentially catch a lot of people off guard and make them question why would you buy this device if you could get a PS5 or an Xbox Series X? I mean, and that's one thing too. The dock doesn't do anything for the Switch now. Yeah. And if you think about it, okay, if you come out with a Switch Pro and it has this upgraded Tegra chip, this upgraded NVIDIA chip, and it has all these these things to it, and it's still just a simple dock, which is pretty much, you know, an, a glamorized HDMI cord. Yeah. Which is really what it is. It's yeah. like, okay, you can, it's an HDMI out and a charger all in one. Like, hooray. Then what's the point in having the dock, right? It would, it would make more sense if they just put more power in the dock. What if it's the Switch Pro is actually this Pro dock and that's what has this upgraded Tegra chip. This, that's what has the upgraded NVIDIA chip. That's what has the extra cooling in your system. And if you wanted, you could buy maybe a Switch Pro console with a 720p OLED. But where the real power lies, and which makes a lot of sense, is the actual docking system. Because right now the dock is not irrelevant, but it's not the most useful. Yeah. Right. But that's one thing they could do. And even like down the line, right? You talked about how they're so good with their handheld systems where it's okay. Even if you look at, okay, from the Game Boy to the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Advance SP to the DS to all of those, right? Each generation is kind of like a small incremental step, but it's still a performance boost. What if the Switch is just the default system now from Nintendo? And instead of coming out with a brand new system, because it does, in my mind, it doesn't make sense to completely rework the Switch. It's It works so well. And it's so good. Like maybe, yeah, upgrade the Joy-Cons. Maybe fix the Joy-Con drift. But it doesn't make sense to fundamentally change the system. What if now every four years, it's just a new dock that you buy that mm. up-res stuff, that increases the performance. And that way, it's sort of like the, you know, the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP. It's sort of like that incremental stepping stone that still kind of gives you that performance bump, but you don't have to buy a brand new system every time. Yeah. And so maybe at that point, it's okay, you can buy, let's say, just the dock for $200, or probably not, probably less than that, probably let's maybe just the dock for $100, and you could buy just the Switch console for $200, or you could buy the overall thing for $300, or maybe, I, I'm not in marketing or pricing or whatever, but maybe that's the route that they're going, where every four years you can buy a new dock, they may slightly upgrade the handheld system, but if you have the original Switch, you just need to buy the dock. And it's going to make it a lot easier for people to buy that new dock and keep on getting the new Switch. Yeah. Whereas if it's every four years, you're buying a new $400 system, whereas there are going to be people that buy it, not everyone will. It's a lot easier to sell them a $200 dock than a brand new $400 system like in cycles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that would just allow them to extend the ex- success that they already have with the Switch, which has been yeah. just so wildly successful so far. Because, yeah, for all we know, they could be designing something new, and it's instead of the Switch 2, it's the Switch U, and they completely butcher it the way that they butchered the Wii. <laughs> Where, I don't know, the Joy-Cons are on the top and bottom instead, and <laughs> it's, I don't know. Yeah, you have to plug it into a power outlet and you can't plug it into a TV at the same time. Something stupid. <laughs> you can't charge it and play games at the same time either. Or Who would want to do that? Yeah, I don't know. Who would want to switch or Wii U? So. <laughs> okay, on to our third topic. There are a lot of rumors of Microsoft potentially buying Discord, the instant messaging and digital distribution platform uh currently microsoft is in exclusive talks to buy discord for what is rumored to be upwards of 10 billion dollars now if you aren't a listener of our podcast 
you may not have heard, they recently bought Bethesda, the gaming studio, for $7.5 billion. Now, no one's exactly certain when these deals could close, but it seems like they are going very well and they could close in April of 2021. Now, my question to you, have you heard of this Discord software? And uh, what are your thoughts on Discord? And have you heard of this potential buyout from Microsoft? So, yeah, I have heard uh, of Discord, which is funny. I laugh, not because everyone's heard of Discord, but because I think much like many people who just started using things like Zoom, I've never used Discord before the year 2020. So <laughs> it's it's kind of new to, to my vocabulary. Um, and yes, I, I have heard this news. Uh, the one thing I will say, and this I, I've been called an Xbox fanboy on this podcast before, I would think this is the dumbest thing I could ever hear of if this actually went through. And the reason really? why I say this is because Microsoft bought Skype years ago, and Skype was the biggest like <laughs> messaging and, and communication app that existed at the time. And no one knows what Skype is anymore. Like, no one uses Skype. I've never heard. I was just, I was just thinking the other day, like, how was Skype not successful in 2020? Yeah, like that. It used to be the biggest thing. You want to know why? Because Microsoft bought it. That's why. So, (laughs) like, the idea of of Microsoft buying Skype and making it completely irrelevant, and then potentially thinking of buying the most popular, probably the most popular kind of communication app especially in in the gaming space um but even beyond that now to me is just insane if i was like if if this was being investigated by like uh, companies that see whether or not this could potentially be a monopoly i don't think it would be but i would be saying wait a minute this is the company that owns skype this is microsoft the one of the biggest organizations in the world and they can't make, with the expertise they have in Skype, they can't make a competitor to Discord? What kind of stupidness is that? Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, for me, when I originally heard this news, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I was really shocked by the idea that Discord could potentially be worth more, or not potentially. It looks like it is very much worth more than than Bethesda and Zenimax Online, which shocked me. Uh, that absolutely shocked me. And it, it kind of made me think, well, maybe there's something to this idea of buying Discord that I'm missing. Like you mentioned, Discord is a big kind of media. I don't know. It, it's got a lot of aspects to it, more than just the messaging service that so many people use today. Um, it's kind of almost used as like a social network in a lot of ways where, you know, people will have Discord servers for you know, communities and, 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 you know, YouTubers and stuff like that. They'll have Discord channels where people who are fans of that community can come together and congregate. So, yeah, maybe there's something more there that I just don't see. But, yeah, absolutely my first impression was this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But who knows? Like I said, maybe there's just something I'm missing. But um, but how are you? <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of interested to see what, what your take on this is. Um, do you think it makes sense for Microsoft to, to buy Discord? Maybe there's something that I'm missing. Or do you think like, hey, Skype could have been easily used in this kind of situation like I do? I don't know. Um, I didn't think it was as dumb of a thing as you did. <laughs> I thought it was a very smart move. Mm. But I was also surprised that it's worth so much. Well, compared to Bethesda. Yeah, but I guess it kind of makes sense, and it's funny that you brought up the whole uh, community aspect of it, because that really seems to be what Microsoft is going for, right? They are. If you look at the the big tech giants, right? You look at the Google, Amazon, Facebook. They all have some sort of community based platform. Google has YouTube, which is YouTube. Amazon has Twitch, which if you don't know what Twitch is, it's sort of like it's a streaming service, which I think initially started with video games, 
where you subscribe to someone's channel and you watch them play video games live and they talk with you and they interact with you. So depending on the person playing, they can have a very big, you know, quote unquote community. It's branched off into other things like cooking or doing artwork or, you know, DJing or like people literally just chilling and talking to the people. Right. But that's it's a huge community. If you look at Facebook, they have Instagram, they have WhatsApp. So, I mean, Microsoft has been trying to get into the, like you call it, you know, a social media, this community type of platform before. They tried buying TikTok recently. They uh, tried buying Pinterest, but those didn't happen. Those didn't go through. Discord is something with a huge community base, not just in gaming, but also outside of gaming too, like you mentioned, right? If you are a creator in, in somewhere, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, whether it's, you know, TikTok, you will have a Discord server to grow your community because it's where it's where people who like your content can talk with you about your content and talk with other people about your content. Now, the current CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, which, you know, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Um, he says that the reason for this is creation, creation, creation. It's a quote from him. The next 10 years is going to be as much about creation as it is about consumption and about the community around it. So it's not creating alone. He is very, I guess, in tune with the creation aspect of Discord. And it seems like they, like Microsoft, like he sees this as the next big frontier when it comes to creating things. And... If you look at the size of Discord right now, I think it has something like 140 million monthly active users. If he's saying, if people are saying that, hey, creation is only going to grow for the next 10 years, and this platform that supports all kinds of creators, right? Because it's not like it's, okay, it's not like it's just YouTube where you have to be on YouTube or it's just Twitch or it's just Instagram. Any creator can create a Discord, and a lot of creators create Discords to bring their communities. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, okay, you're this one social network that is just driving content on your social network. This social network's content is almost every social network bringing their content onto the platform, which if the next 10 years is going to be all about creation, according to Satya Nadella, this platform is set to explode in terms of how many people are using it and how many people are talking on it and how many people are marketing and creating on it, right? If you look at what Nadella has done in the past, right, his first big thing, his first year of CEO at Microsoft, he bought Mojang, which is the creators of Minecraft, which most people should know is a huge game, right? He's also responsible for buying LinkedIn and GitHub. So, it isn't something new that Microsoft is trying to get into the, I guess, community or the social aspect of it. But you brought up a good point. They bought Skype, which was the, the king of kings when it came to like video conferencing or video chat and messaging. And that didn't work out too well for them. Right. They launched Mixer, a competitor to Twitch, a streaming competitor. And that also didn't work out too well for them. So it's almost, you know, is... Discord is big, but is Microsoft buying them almost like a, you know, a bad omen for their future? Maybe, you know, all the other, the chat services and all the other Reddit forums are kind of, are high-fiving each other because, yes, Microsoft is going to tank another company for us, like tank another competitor. So, I mean, we'll see if this actually goes through. It sounds like it's going to go through in April 2021. But, you know, we'll see what comes from it. Honestly, much more level-headed reaction. <laughs> and, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I could see, I could see. yeah, there's Microsoft as a whole probably sees so much more value in Discord. But, yeah, it, it's, it's still to the thing. You mentioned it perfectly. Like, not only was it Skype, it was also Mixer, something that they put millions and millions and millions of dollars into and then just let die. Um, Skype is something that they still own and it's a brand that still exists and they never use it or talk about it. To me, if I'm a, a 
a person in the tech space and I'm hearing Microsoft, this tech giant, wants to buy Discord, another tech giant. I want to yell out, hey, this is could potentially be anti-competitive. Like This is a company that already owns the backbone of pretty much all of the stuff that Discord is able to do. Why don't they just build that instead of buying something that's already established? And I think it's the reason of, you know, they bought Mixer. Um, and I think it was called Beam before, and then they bought it and yeah. rebranded it into Mixer, and that didn't work out. Maybe this is just an omen that Microsoft knows they're not really good at building companies, and they have the money, so they've tried building. It didn't work for them. Maybe just buy buy one, but I don't know. For me, it's just one of those things where I would be happy if it didn't go through, <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I would be more on board if a company like Sony did this because they have less resources in this space to kind of build competition whereas microsoft i feel like should have the resources to say we can build something that can compete with discord and the reason why i think that's important is zoom exists and zoom you know even leapfrog skype and has been you know a huge brand name in the space of not just communication but also communities like i i've heard people in my family saying oh they're gonna have this exercise class on zoom or they're gonna have this meeting on zoom can you help me join or can you help me you know and it's become more than just a place for two people to talk or business to happen it's become a place for people to meet and gather and have those conversations and the idea that microsoft hasn't been able to pull off that same kind of thing to me is more of a red flag than the idea of the, them just buying Discord. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing to see, and I guess it's relatively soon to see if this thing actually closes. Yeah. I mean, another avenue of this, right, is Microsoft has their whole Azure service, right? Their their cloud computing service. Mm -hmm. Currently, Discord is on Google Cloud, but I'm sure that if Microsoft is successful in buying Discord. They will transfer that over to Azure. They also recently moved Minecraft from AWS, you know, from Amazon servers to Azure also. Mm. So they have this big cloud platform that not not that many big names are using. So doing things like moving Discord, moving Minecraft over, right? These huge community platforms is sort of justifying their, you know, their project of Azure or their their product of Azure, I should say. And it's making it seem that much more credible. So maybe, you know, they can market it to other big name companies or services too. So that's, I mean, another aspect that could possibly go. And, you know, you being the Xbox fanboy, <laughs> if they buy it, it's, undoubt it's undoubtedly... You know, it's going to happen that they will pair Discord with Xbox or Xbox Live or Xbox Game Chat, which is going to make it that much more seamless to, okay, let's say, go from Xbox to PC, back to Xbox, or to an Android device, or to an iOS device. Like, imagine if you just open up a Discord chat room, you have it on all your devices, and you can play your Xbox games on all your devices, yeah. except for PlayStation, of course. Or a Switch too, I guess, yeah. Maybe you can play it on Qualcomm. But if Discord is integrated, let's say, into their new Xbox Game Pass, and now no matter where you're playing this game, you can chat with your friends and be part of this community where whatever console you're on, right? I think that's a huge win for Microsoft, a huge win for Xbox too. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I, I completely agree. I think my hang-up is that, that it's too much of an easy win. <laughs> they should have put in the work to make one themselves. But the, I mean, it's too much of an easy win if they don't tank it. Yeah, true. Yeah, which, honestly, Discord has been so successful. And I, I've had issues with Discord. And I think a lot of people who have used it have had issues with it. And that could potentially be fixed with moving, something, moving it to something like Azure, where maybe Microsoft can say, hey, we'll give you more resources to make sure it's more stable. But no, 100%. I think you're right. It would be very hard for them to tank it, though, if they just allowed it to work business as usual. Because clearly, whoever's Hopefully. there at Discord knows what they're doing. Yeah. Hopefully they do. Yeah. I mean, 
right? When when you look at Facebook and they had their Facebook Messenger, which was the thing to use back in the day, but they had to go in and buy WhatsApp because nobody wanted to use Facebook or Facebook Messenger anymore. So true. So it's, I guess that's just the thing in Silicon Valley or in tech, right? It's try and build it yourself. And if you can't, just buy the person that did do it. Man, how, how about this, Microsoft? Instead of spending $10 billion on Discord, just give me $1 billion and I'll find a way to make Skype work for you. I'll, I'll bring the brand yeah. back. <laughs> you'll find a way. I'll find a way. <laughs> no track record, but you'll find a way. Yeah, who needs a track record? It's a little stick-to-it attitude and, you know, some elbow grease and bit shine. Exactly. <laughs> you'll rebrand it to Scoop. <laughs> Uh, I guess any other closing statements? Uh, no, uh, it's just I'm kind of interested to see what happens with this uh, with this Discord purchase, and uh, who knows? It could be a situation where April turns out to be a huge month for news in terms of both this and you know what's going on with with Apple, and if this if their conference actually happens, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. First time in over ten years if it does. Yeah. Uh, take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode.